Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Dan Weiss with Weiss Drywall to the show. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Go Brand Go, Enterprise Bank and Trust, The Tom James Company, and Edward Jones. And now to this week's episode with Dan Weiss. Dan Weiss, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you joining me this morning. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Absolutely. Well, we got connected through Jennifer Bardot at Enterprise Bank and Trust, who is a, a main sponsor of this podcast, as well as a good friend of mine. So I'm excited to kind of dive into your background and your career and, and share that with our audience here in St. Louis. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Jen's awesome. Uh, she's been a friend for quite a few years. I have a lot of respect for her. Yeah, she's a big networker, that's for sure. So let's kind of start up uh, kind of in the beginning. Talk to us about growing up and what led you to starting your business. So I come from like an entrepreneurial family. Uh, my grandfather started and his brother started uh, Weiss Drywall in Construction Corporation in 1971, actually November of 1971. So we're 50 Coming years up. old yeah. this month. And so, yeah, so that's the environment I grew up in, right? And so, you know, I still work at Weiss Drywall um, for now. Um, and so ultimately out of that, out of learning all that, you know, I started there when I was 12 years old. I was supposed to start when I was 11, but I broke my ankle that summer, uh, the first day of summer. So um, I started when I was 12, sweeping the floors, um, doing, you know, menial tasks around the warehouse, putting orders together. And then when I got a little older, I went, you know, and go would drive a truck and go deliver materials and things like that. And then when I first started in the business, I started as our safety director at the age of 21 years old. Um, and I was still at Lindenwood at the time. I was my senior year at Lindenwood University. And so we were doing the Lumiere Place Hotel uh, down at the Lumiere Place Hotel and Casino downtown. We were doing floors six to 16, the Four Seasons Hotel portion of that. Right. So I'm 21 years old, fresh off my OSHA 30, right? That gives me the ability to be a safety director and I get thrown out onto the job site. And so then, you know, I became VP um, after about, 10 years of doing that. And so now I'm technically the president, I guess. I don't know. Family businesses are bad with names. And so then <laughs> out of that is when I started uh, just looking at our net, looking at our 
industry, looking at trends, looking at what's happening on the coast, right? Where is what led me to start our new business called We Offsite that we actually just started this year. So we have a, it's a prefabrication facility uh, right here at Lindbergh and Page, basically. Uh, gotcha. Where we are an ICC certified metal stud manufacturer. We roll our own metal studs here, but we can do all kinds of, we're pursuing modular projects and panel and just trying to speed up construction. Yeah. So it sounds like you're kind of overseeing two businesses at this point. You got Weiss Drywall and then Weiss, um, the new company is, what is the new name of the new company? Weiss Offsite. So like Offsite Construction Practices, right? Okay. So talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges when you started Weiss Offsite. Um, Obviously it was in the middle of a pandemic. Um, So what, you know, you obviously had this, this vision and this idea, what, what prompted you to kind of finally get off from the ground and start it. And then kind of what were some of the challenges you faced that first year? So we're still in our first year, uh, really. Uh, so, so, oh gosh. So, you know, just finding a building, really. I've been looking for years just to find, you know, a building that we could afford and that would suit our operations. Sure. Um, and that was still relatively close to our other headquarters. So we're only about a mile or so, two miles away, five minutes away from uh, Weiss Drywall, which is handy. Oh, like, so some of the challenges, getting our machines in, uh, so the machines that we have are frame CAD machines, they're roll forming machines, and they were built in New Zealand. And so getting them in in February uh, into, they were supposed to come into the port of LA, they ended up going to Houston, right, which then got hit by the ice storm. Yeah. Uh, so it was interesting, like just that whole week was really crazy. Um, our tech that was here to even spin up the machines is a he was a Filipino or is a Filipino native that lived in Dubai whose visa was about to run out. And so we had to get, you know, all our stuff here through an ice storm. We had to get our commissioning coils from the steel mill here during an ice storm, get him here, get us trained, and then get him out of the country. Um, <laughs> but then other than that, um, you know, really, that was like a little bit of a challenge. It was a challenge, but we we did it. We got it. We were good. Um, but then also too, it's just a it's a whole new world that we've entered, you know, previously, you know, you call it the material supply house, you know, and you buy, you order your material for projects, you know, now we're buying from steel mills and through steel brokers, we're buying coils of steel. We're getting a market kind of used to doing uh, a different process, you know, where we're able to actually manufacture our own and put extra engineering into projects and being able to ultimately get, some cost out of jobs because we can, you know, when we get involved in projects early, we can do some engineering management on that, on some of those, um, you know, and then, it yeah, sounds, it's, it's, yeah. Well, it sounds like the supply chain is being a challenge just to you, just like it is to everybody. How, sure. So you're overcoming that by going direct. So, yeah, so we overcome that through, um, we buy all of our steel coils straight out of the steel mills. So we buy it through a broker, essentially. So yeah, we, we go to a broker, we tell them, hey, we need, you know, XYZ coil slit to XYZ width. And they say, okay, it's going to be, you know, this cost and we'll get them to you, you know, generally speaking in about three months at this point in time. So supply chain management has been huge. That's why we, yeah. we try to keep a pretty good supply of steel under roof at any given time in our various gauges that we have. Is the labor shortage been hurting you guys at all? Or is that starting to turn around? Or where do you see that at? 
Labor is always, I mean, labor and construction industry has been an issue for, I feel like the last decade. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a, the perception of construction in our society. Sure. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's always an issue. I actually think it's historically, I think we're starting to turn a corner a little bit because, you know, we have really good paying jobs. Like we start off, you know, you start off in construction, like a, a carpenter's apprentice, right? A first term, you know, don't even know how to read a, a tape measure. You know, those guys start off at 20 bucks an hour right now. And then very quickly progress, you know, like a journeyman carpenter right now, just on their check, not including their benefits package makes $41 an hour. Wow. So, yeah. So we're starting to see that turn a corner a little bit. People are understanding that there's jobs, but it's still a challenge. I mean, we're still dealing with that every day. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, and then here in the factory as well. Um, yeah, it's hard to find people, but we're, we're doing okay. How did you guys deal with COVID when that kind of came out um, on the drywall business? So that's hard, you know, because ultimately we're still buying things. We, we buy a lot from manufacturers and our distributors here in St. Louis do a, just a phenomenal job. We deal a lot with Negra materials and they are just a phenomenal material distributor. Yeah. So they do a lot just to cover us, to make sure that we're great and good on jobs and they get, you know, steel is steel. Steel's hard. That's what we're dealing with right now. Trying to get our, you know, steel studs in um, on the drywall side getting our drywall deliveries. I mean, you know, I know trucking shortages impact that a lot, you know, so um, we can produce a lot of, the, you know, the manufacturers can produce a lot, but oftentimes it's, they have a difficult time getting a truck. So yeah, um, overstocking, keeping extra on hand, you know, that's what we're doing here at We Offsite. And I know that's what Negra does too, is they try to keep as much as they can on the floor to be able to meet their customers' demands. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank & Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Let's shift gears here a little bit and start talking a little bit about leadership. Um, talk to me about your views on leadership and how you lead both organizations. So it's, it's hard, right? I'm, a, I'm still kind of a younger guy-ish. Um, I guess we can solve that. I'm not 40 yet. <laughs> not that 40s old anyway. But, you know, so I've started uh, years ago, I started installing other good leaders and started using recruiting firms and started using a lot of testing and metrics um, and using firms around town as well to help me to be able to install just really good leaders. So that way, whenever we start to go transitioning into starting other businesses, like we did starting, you know, buying other businesses, that way we have just a really good group, solid core group of leaders to be able to say, okay, cool. You know exactly what you're doing. You know what you're looking for when we start building out teams under people. Right. And ultimately I'm just, try to be fair, open, honest with people, being who I am, knowing what my strengths are, knowing what my weaknesses are, and then hiring people that, you know, really ultimately help me with my weaknesses, but then also hiring people that also possess the same strengths that I do, right? So that way we can collaborate on things. Absolutely. Well, I think it's as a leader of the organization, I think it's very powerful that you just uh, said that, you know, you 
identifying what your strengths are and knowing what your weaknesses are and then hiring people that can help you with your weaknesses and hire, hiring people that are good with your strengths. Um, and, and knowing those, I think, is actually critical in being a successful leader inside the organization. Where did you learn those attributes uh, to be a good leader? Was that from your father, your grandfather, or is that just through you know, outside consulting and coaches or, or reading books? Or where did you learn to be such a good leader? Uh, F, all the above. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I mean, growing up in an entrepreneurial family, for sure, I learned a ton from my grandfather. I spent a lot of time with my grandfather at a very young age in our business, um, obviously from my dad as well, through books, right, through, so I used to, so when I was in university, I went to Lindenwood University, and I shot on the trap and skeet team there. Um, so my freshman year there was the first year of our national championship. And then we went on to win 15 straight years there. And when you're involved in shooting like that, like you have to know yourself deeply, right? You have to know how to talk to yourself. You have to know what you have to tell yourself to get your body to perform. And that is the same way in business, right? So you have to be really real and actually really know yourself. And so it's the same way in business, right? It's like, you have to be able to coach yourself and especially in those stressful times. And so I learned a lot just from my shooting coaches about life, right? Because that all that stuff crosses over too. And about how to just, how to diagnose yourself, how to diagnose your heart. Um, I read the Bible a lot as well. That is, you know, a lot of your business books are based on the Bible. I read a lot of business books and leadership books. Um, I've also, a few years ago, um, I joined the Arte Syndicate. Um, which was founded by Andy Frisella, who runs First Form here in town or owns First Form, and Ed Milet, who's uh, an, also an entrepreneurial speaker too. And that group has just been phenomenal to learn from the other leaders in the group and then also learn from the coaching calls uh, that we yeah. coach with Andy and Ed. Yeah, well, absolutely. I, um, so I think it's interesting you talk about, you know, shooting trap and, you know, being in a sport like that. Um, I think it's one of the most powerful things that a kid can do is being in some kind of a sport, whether it's soccer, baseball, basketball, I, you know, I don't really care shooting trap, fishing, whatever it is, because those coaches that you're, that are coaching you at four and five and 10 and 15 years old, they're teaching you valuable leadership lessons throughout that entire process. And I think, you know, there's a, Joe Gibbs wrote a great book out one time about, uh, it's actually based off the Bible and being a coach and leadership and how coaching and leadership and the Bible all kind of intertwine. And so um, I think it's very, very interesting as you kind of point that out, that you learned some of your leadership skills from kind of being in college, uh, college athlete, uh, athlete and uh, being in the shooting trap. For sure. Yeah. How, let me talk to you a little bit about company culture. It's a big buzzword that's going on right now and has been for the last several years. Um, what is the company culture like at your guys' business and how do you try to keep defining that and tweaking that as you guys continue to grow as an organization? For sure. Company culture is huge. I spend, oh gosh, probably 70% of my time as an executive on company culture and coaching our people, right? And teaching our people how to be a better leader, right? Because ultimately I'm trying to work myself out of a job. I'm trying to promote, you know, one of the sure. people under me and do what I do. Yeah, because that allows me to do what I'm good at or what I think I'm good at. Um, so, you know, I think every company, right, has the culture that the leaders know about. And it also has the culture that the leaders don't know about. Right. Generally speaking, the culture you don't know about, I would say in the majority of companies, probably worse. Right. 
yeah. marginally degree, it's a little bit worse than the company, the culture they think they know about. So that's what I'm always seeking to do is to create the culture that I don't know about to make it better than the culture that I do know about. Right. And that's through hiring people and coaching people on character through core values, right. Through all those different points that we, you know, kind of judge people on. Yeah. Um, and typically, I mean, this may sound really silly, but a lot of those generally speaking are not monetary, right. To the business. It's, I always look for the right person uh, as a cultural fit, both their, mainly their character um, to make sure that and how they perform under stress and all those different things. Like, you know, I don't want somebody that's going to go to the bottom of the barrel uh, the moment they get stressed out a little bit or going to lash out at somebody the moment they get stressed out a little bit. Um, and so we're always, that's predominantly what I'm looking for, you know, yeah. but knowing that people have to vent, knowing that people have to, you know, they get stressed out, knowing that they care about the business, right? As long as we're hiring the right people. So ultimately those frustrations lead to different ways. So then, you know, that's where I have to coach people through uh, dealing with the stress, dealing with their stress management, making yeah. sure that, you know, they're not creating that culture that's unhealthy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you've made a good point there about um, company culture. A lot of it can be defined by the type of people you hire. And so when you're interviewing candidates and you're looking for uh, people to come under your organization, looking for the person's the right fit for the per like their personality meets the right culture that you have inside the organization, put their skill set to the side for a minute and making sure you find the right person first before you determine what their level of skill set is. Because as long as they have a general understanding of that skill set, you can always train them or give them education or help them further along their, their skill set. But you can't really change the personality of a person very easily. Exactly. Like yep. I can, you know, what we do, like say we're going to hire an estimator, right, in our office. You know, we have really phenomenal estimators and people that are really good at teaching people how to do this because it's complicated, sure. right? We don't, anyway. It's a complicated deal because, you know, we're, in, we're dealing with fire issues on buildings. You know, we're trying to make sure that we, you know, get everything correct. But ultimately, though, what are we looking for? Somebody that's going to be a good team member. You know, we're looking for somebody that's going to take care of our clients, how, you know, we need to have our clients taken care of. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, those are the things you can't teach, right? Exactly. But you can't teach those hard skills. And that helps define the whole company culture, all of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about, you know, when you started the new business and uh, you, like you mentioned, you're still in your first year. How are you able to continue to push forth growth with that with, you know, WISA offsite, but also can sustain the growth of the um, WISA drywall? Are you, you know, is that a challenge for you to kind of oversee both or is it, or can, how do you balance the two, I guess? I mean, I live by my calendar ultimately. And for me right now at this portion of time, the businesses flow together. Good. And so, you know, I'm pretty much on one mission right now. Sure. Ultimately. So, you know, until we, and they're separate entities, they're separate companies, but until we, they're still, you know, have some combined efforts there, um, we will one day separate them. However, yeah, I mean, it's hard. That's why, you know, I've been pushing for, oh my gosh, probably five to 10 years now on getting other just phenomenal leaders that, you know, aren't necessarily family members involved. Sure. You know, I'm really big on just making sure that we have a leadership team that has a various set of backgrounds, right. And that are also just really good with soft skills, really good with people, right. Cause it's, 
that's all that matters, right? If we can coach a team and we can coach people, we can hold people accountable. Gosh, that makes our businesses run so much smoother. And so I'm only, you know, I know a lot of people say this, but you know, I'm only as good as my team. Yeah. And so, you know, honestly, a lot of it is like, I'm just, I'm just the guy with the mouth over here. You know, I got a whole great team of people that, you know, are just really good at what they do. They just, right. you know, don't like to pop on a podcast. So, <laughs> Well, no, that's good. That's good to hear. You know, I always end this podcast, Dan, by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. Mm-hmm. So if you can leave us with a piece of advice, whether that's on business or personal life, what could you leave us with today? Yeah. You know, advice is, you know, bad advice is always bad advice. Um, but one of the things that I thought about many years ago was, you know, especially thinking about what the culture we wanted to, we already had and the culture that we wanted to continue to develop. I'm like, you know, I want to be the kind of leader that stays and sticks with my people, no matter what, you know, we're going to have loss of family members, you know, people are going to get, you know, hopefully not, but it happens, right? Marriages break down, divorces happen, right? Children get sick, right? All those things. And the last thing, you know, our people, we're going to leave them. They're not going to get to the end of their life and say, man, I really wish I would work, you know, another day at a Wee's company. You know, no, they're going to, especially, you know, we have a lot of younger folks, right? That have young kids. It's like, you want to spend time, make memories with your family, right? Ultimately. And so I decided that, you know, I wanted to be with my people, through thick and thin. And so that's what I would encourage people. People have enough, life is hard. There's enough life stresses out there right now. People that are relaxed and have good home lives also are have good work lives as well. And we'll get, you know, so we focus on effectiveness. So stick with your people through thick and thin. Absolutely, great advice. Dan, on behalf of the SCLers podcast and myself, I appreciate you coming on today and sharing the story of Weiss Drywall and Weiss Offsite. Um, appreciate you being a great STL leader and thanks for sharing your, uh, the, your knowledge today. Thanks so much, Brian.